what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 48, but officially the beginning of season two of Woo. the Kings and Priests podcast. And uh, this episode is brought to you by today's presenting sponsor, Dwell Bible. Since launching in 2018, Dwell's mission has been to help Christians rediscover the ancient practice of listening to scripture through their beautiful digital experience. Dwell offers more than 20 handpicked voices across 11 translations, and that even includes uh, an international children's Bible version, which is really cool. So there's a lot of stuff for there on there for kids. Uh, Dwell offers a 30-day trial on all new accounts, and you can get started by going to dwellbible.com backslash good or texting good to 39383, and we will put those links in the show notes. So again, thank you to the amazing folks at Dwell who have been such uh, just such amazing partners so far. Dean, well, have you ever listened to scripture? I have do. you ever listened? Yeah? Here's what, I'll, I'll take everyone back 30 years. I used yep. to buy the cassette tapes of the Bible. They came in these giant books, mm-hmm. and I would um, put them in a cassette player. The old one looked like a shoebox. And I yep. used to play scripture. You could only get the King James version for a very long time, which is not. Oh my, my gosh! Version. But yeah. then I like I, my mind blew up. I think I got the New American Standard, or I got something else. I bought them all, and yeah. So I, going yep. back thirty years ago, I was listening to Bible. I know, right? <laughs> yep. That's amazing. Um, so, all right, uh, season two. It's been yeah. a minute since yeah. we've since we've caught up. I mean, you and I talk fairly regularly, so there's yeah. not a ton of practical stuff to catch up on, but. Season two, let's talk just for 30 seconds about the future of the podcast. So we're just going to keep going. Um, I'm actually continually shocked at the amount of people that reach out that love Mm -hmm. our uh, weekly pontifications here on the podcast. It's very niche, mm -hmm. right? And which is good. And we love talking about business. We talk a lot about tech business. Mm -hmm. But just the intersection between our faith and our business, um, we love entrepreneurs. We love inspiring entrepreneurs. And, you know, ultimately the, the follow through, the flow through is we need more wealth in the hands of people who will do good with that money and right. build the kingdom of God. So that's the whole point. Yep. Yep. It's going to be fun. We're going to be, you and I are going to continue talking. We're going to do interviews. We are going to mm-hmm. do, you know, maybe a, a little email newsletter, maybe, maybe even some kind of summit uh, retreat hang at some point this year somewhere maybe maybe a golf trip who knows um so anyways okay hey let's jump right into this um Mm -hmm. i saw a tweet yesterday so mark rudolph who is the co-founder of netflix tweeted uh any founder who doesn't acknowledge the role that luck played in their success is fooling themselves i agree with that Um, we wouldn't call it luck we would call it providence or you know just kind of living in the kind of the divine Mm -hmm. you know kind of that that bucket but yeah like there's timing that you can't orchestrate mm-hmm. and then right place right time right product yeah i feel that you know yep. digital giving it was in its infancy i had a competitor who a competitor who was spending millions of dollars to acquire customers and we literally for like three years just skated on the back of their spend and ran ads towards them and so there's there's definitely uh, for us it's not luck it's just the providence of God and yep. you you do enough you submit to God you submit mm-hmm. your plans and you mm-hmm. walk the path and you know sometimes you just find yourself right in the middle of an absolute outpouring of blessing so yeah something I remember you used to always say which when when I met you and you were my pastor 
mm-hmm. you one of the reasons I loved you was you were just such a stark contrast to what I had grown grown up in. But you used to always say, uh, "We move and then God moves," mm-hmm. and right. I I always think about that, especially even obviously as Christians, but in the life of an entrepreneur, it's like, yeah, there is what we would call luck involved. Yeah, but um, at the same time, it's us kind of taking chances and taking risks. Yeah, and you, you you like leaving leaving the rest up to God, right? Yeah, yeah. It's always you have to make the first move. I don't think God's sitting up there going, like you're saying, God, give me this idea, and he gives it to you, and he's like, God, give me, like, show me when to do this, and like, no, no, just start, go do, get moving, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden you run into God. And mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I've been waiting here for you because these are the beginning and the end. And so <laughs> for us to get to wherever we're going, we've got to get moving. And then, we, and then sometimes you run a, a brick wall, and that, that's like, a, oh, that door closed, no problem. You can't sit there, you know, you got to dust off for a minute sometimes because you got whacked, you know, financially or emotionally or just your confidence got whacked. So, you you, you know, dust off, you pray up, you get your mm-hmm. confidence back and then you get moving again. And yeah. that's how it works. That's how it works yeah. for me. Right. So, so much has happened since we last talked, obviously, markets, interest rates, venture funding, mm-hmm. like, and, you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk more about that over the coming coming months. Mm-hmm. But um, there's actually been quite a bit of acquisitions, uh, especially in kind of like the small to mid-size media space. Even I've seen some SaaS stuff, but there was a really cool um, acquisition here recently that I wanted to tell you about. So, and I think I've actually probably shown you this YouTube channel before. So there was this YouTube channel called Our Future. It was essentially a YouTube channel, uh, a TikTok feed, and I think an Instagram account, maybe maybe a few other things. And basically, the only goal that it had was to educate millennials and Gen Zers about business. And so they would do these like hyper short, poppy videos explaining, you know, Andrew Carnegie all the way to, you know, how the NFL started in a minute and a half or less or whatever. And it kind of blew up on TikTok. And the kids that started it, I think were still in they were either still in college or in business school when they started it. So uh, it's called Our Future, and it sold to um, Morning Brew. And so it's literally the first TikTok media startup ever acquired. So first first content play to build and sell uh, just off of predominantly TikTok alone. So they have a million followers, billion views across TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, but here's hey, what's just, inter- there's a yeah. you know, There's a side thought I have. Do we think TikTok's mm-hmm. going to get shut down in America? I keep hearing rumblings on the in the politics from both parties yeah. that so you know I have a, my it's my wife's friend but I know her really well she just she gets you your f- first job in Hollywood she's an agent mm-hmm. and she had a video go like five hundred thousand like went viral mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's opened up a bunch of new business for her and I'm like man I'm not sure I want my business relying on TikTok because it might not be. Here. Yeah, exactly. Even more to your point, I was talking to a guy the other day who uh, runs a business that essentially helps large scale influencers monetize their audiences. So the first thing he does is do an audit of all their following. And he said that 100,000 Twitter followers, 100,000 YouTube subscribers carries the same value as a million and a half TikTok followers. Right. Because of exactly that. that that reason, yeah. right? It's more dependent on the algorithm. My thing about it, the all in guys just talked about it on the last episode. I don't know how you just shut it off completely. To me, yeah. that's a political, that's a political liability. I think. I lose I, a lot of young voters, I guess, but if they, if they're bipartisan, 
Remember, Trump had the idea to put it on Oracle, like get give it to Oracle mm-hmm. somehow and put it on Oracle services, servers, yep. base it here and stuff. So I don't know. That was a lot of the that was a lot of the combo. Is what if it gets sold to an American entity? Right. Um, I don't know. Anyway. So many people use it. It's interesting though, for sure. We digress. Um, so okay, so here's what's interesting though. They out of this spun out an agency arm that started helping brands create short form content. Um, so a lot of people think that that's really why Morning Brew bought them, right? So you've got Morning Brew, which predominantly reaches older millennials, people that are already in like the professional workforce, and I'm sure they're diversifying going, okay, we need to reach younger people. Um, and Morning Brew, like the dirty little secret in all of these Morning Brew, the hustle is that they're all paying, they do what's called ad arbitrage. So they're paying one to $2 per email knowing the lifetime value of that email is worth, you know, between 15 and 30 bucks, in some cases, 40 or 50, right? So they're paying for subscribers, but they're looking at this, this company, our future and going, wait a minute, there is this whole other arm of organic growth that we can have reaching a younger demographic through short form video. It to me is just really, like, really interesting in how this really niche business, which really didn't even start out as a business could grow and sell over the course of 18 months to a really big company, and now basically just slotted into um, what this what this thing is. So it basically, you know, makes Morning Brews ad inventory now is newsletter podcast and now short form video. So they can say, Hey, if we, you know, oh, and by the way, company that's doing advertisements for us, not only can we put your logo on a short form video, we can produce these short form videos on your behalf that can, you know, reach millions and or billions of, um, I mean, the brew's not impressions. How long has Morning Brew been around? Like, I think it was 2016, 2017. Yeah. Yeah, So seven years. So you wouldn't call that. That's a newish company, but I guess mm-hmm. these days, five seven years isn't that new anymore. And yep. so, I think the the myth, the thing to learn about this is um, acquiring businesses makes sense when they're very additive and they do something you don't. And we've acquired businesses that do something we already do, which I would say is more painful because you've got to integrate things and there's a bit of customer confusion. The stuff that we've built or acquired that is something we don't already do is much more awesome because I can cross sell my current products to that, you know, customer base. A lot of times when you're buying a business, you're buying the, um, certainly in software, you're buying the customers, right? There's a bunch of product that someone built. So you get that and that's useful. And I can go and sell that to my current customers. And then that particular product in my particular vertical, I can sell my current products to those customers. So the value of that is awesome. So this is this is just a lesson in um, when you buy a company, make sure it's additive in the sense that it does something you don't already do, or maybe it does it better than you currently do it, right? And you can put all your customers on it because it's better, but also the cross-sell, right? That's, that's mm-hmm. the name of the game. So... And, yeah, and these guys have reached down into a younger demographic, obviously, with this acquisition. Right, if Morning Brew is right. thirty-five to fifty. You know, these guys are probably twenty to, you know, thirty-five. Thirty-five. Yeah. So, very it cool. brings up an inter- it brings up an interesting point in tact being tactical about the kind of business that you start. And so there, there's we've talked about these like, you know, cash flow lifestyle businesses. We've talked about the hundred to a thousand X venture based businesses. Is there, and, and I don't want to 
I don't say this, this isn't easy and it's not quick. So just because these guys found a niche, built a niche and found the right acquirer in 18 months, it it doesn't mean it's easy. So I don't want that. I don't want to communicate that. But is there a world where like, and I've seen a lot of people talk about this. Let's just say hypothetically, someone's looking at Tidely and they're going, you know, Tidely probably could use this kind of product that's a value add for their customers. They may be developing in-house, they may not. And there may be 10 different companies that are semi-competition to Tithely. I'm going to build this little app or I'm going to build this little add-on or this little widget with the sole intention, with, right, with the sole intention of coming to you 10 months from now and going, hey, you might not want to pay a million for this, but maybe you'll pay 250. Maybe it's an Aquahire thing. Like, is that it? There's probably five of those that are, I'm nurturing right now. Okay. And then we just got offered a, a pretty big company that does something that we don't do. So yeah, hundred percent. Like once mm-hmm. you're, if you're in deal mode and people know mm-hmm. you're in deal mode and you acquire and stuff, like they seek you out and it's awesome. And right. sometimes you say yes, sometimes you say no. That's right. why as a, like a CEO and a CFO, you should always have access to funds, either debt, right? And there's good debt and bad debt um, mm-hmm. and or, you know, sell off equity to be able to acquire com- companies. So you're, you're always kind of in the business of making sure you have access to capital to be able to strike when the opportunity comes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So as kind of, this is almost like a segue into kind of a similar topic. So um, I, we talk a lot about my first million, the podcast. Um, I love that show. One of the reasons I love it is because it's just so down to earth, you know, like these guys yeah. are tech guys, but they're also into like the most basic businesses ever so you get this like big swath of ideas and they they interview a lot of different kind of people so on this last episode uh they kind of brought up this question of if you were going to go from zero to a million dollars in 2023 and then they kind of changed it and said okay let's say you're at your job you're making 100k a year and you want to figure out the the best path to go from a hundred thousand a year to half a million in potential earning potential what would you do um one thing they say is you can't sell your job right so which is obviously we know we we talk a lot about about that and so one of the guys basically talked about his idea would be uh okay if you want to go from 100 grand a year to half a million a year he said i would create an agency that targets a specific part of a business that makes money already and help them do what they do better. So the example he used was like email marketing for e-commerce brands or mm-hmm. conversion rate optimization, right? How do we convert traffic into sales? Um, mm-hmm. I, I know a guy who does influencer marketing and ad buying. So he goes to, let's say, a Tidely and says, hey, Tidely, um, you're going to spend X amount this year in influencers. Here's what we're going to do. For $5,000 a month, I'm going to recruit the influencers I'm going to help them create the content. And then I'm going to do, I'm going to manage your ad buying with those influencers. Right. right? And he may have five clients at a time or 10 clients at a time, three contractors working for him makes a really good, really good living. So basically what, what they were saying here is performance marketing or content marketing, uh, for niche verticals, right? And essentially this could be a micro agency with a couple employees, couple of contractors that could do 900k a year in revenue at a 60% margin, right? That could yeah. essentially make you a good living and then those things do sell for, you know, two and a half times revenue or or whatever, which I thought was really interesting for someone oh, yeah. who who ha- someone who has an expertise in something yeah. and the, wants to build a good lifestyle business. The hard thing in there is like software is scalable. Services which are reliant on the talents of people 
typically don't get as high a multiple because I've got, right. you know, Mike Whittle, who's this expert guy at getting the influences and whipping it all up. And like, you're just a natural at that. And I buy you like, I'm one, I'm going to lock you in for 10 years, but you don't want that. You want to sell the business. So right. I would err on the side of creating software. I, I spoke to a guy yesterday. It's like 50, 50 software service, services, mm -hmm. nothing wrong with services. They're just hard right. to scale and they're hard right. to sell because the service is based on the talent of the person. So right. I'm, I'm encouraging him. I'm like, dude, like build out your software. Like you've got this idea. You're really good at it. You go and do the service side of this really well, but really like get the software automating and doing this thing. So that can be 80, 90% of your business. Right. Because that's what's sellable for a higher multiple. Cause right. then all I do is take the customers, let the software keep doing its thing and, you know, right. add, add some features, cross sell all the rest, but mm -hmm. software sells <laughs> services a bit, bit tougher. Right. Yeah, totally. I guess my question would be for someone who is, who maybe doesn't necessarily want to build a business they can sell for 15 or 20 X who says, right. man, I would love just to make 350 grand a year, work from yep. home, have right. my own business. That's an awesome um, life. Right and there. become a, become a millionaire over the course of 10 years because I've built a, so, okay. What would you do? Like if you were Dean Sweetman and I yep. said to you today, okay, you got a job, you pay your bills, you got some money in the bank. Um, but you want to, you know, five X, four X your income right. over the next two years. I've learned a lot in the last seven years about software and SaaS, and I have ideas that I would go and do, right? Just because I'm exposed to it every single day and, you know, and I, I, I learned things quick, you know, I, was, I dropped out at school at the 10th grade. So I was hopeless at like studying and putting a test in front of me, but I'm really good at like watching and reading and seeing what something, you know, is like happening over here and going, oh, I can do that, you know, and, and, and learn quick. Um, so I, I've got software ideas that, you know, if, if I wanted to do something on top of the already 60 hours a week, I work, um, I could do, but you know, <laughs> I think that there's a step before that, the step, and we've talked about it. What do you have expertise in? What do you have knowledge in? And what can you do with that knowledge and expertise, expertise that sees problems that you can fix? So I, I think like. It, we, we've talked about some founders where they've just gone and done something in an industry they knew nothing about and they lucked out and it was like right place, right time or whatever. And they're smart people. But the best method is I'm an expert in X. So I was an expert in the business of church. That's how Tithely started. I knew how church ran, right? And I knew all the pain points and I knew all the problems because I lived it for 30 years. So now, you know, Maybe you're 25 and you haven't done something for 30 years. That's a, that was just my journey. But maybe you're 25 and you, you're into something for five years and you're really into it. I would start with solving problems in in something I knew about, and then I'd go build to to do that. And that's that's kind of always been my journey into into business. Into and if business. it took one year or two years, and and like I said, maybe it's a lifestyle business that I keep and I can run with two or three people, and you know, bring them half a million bucks a year. Nothing wrong with that. Or it scales and it grows and you get to 10, 20, 30 million in revenue and you flip the thing for 400 million, all the better. Those, that takes it 10 years typically. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those are much harder. But, um, you know, just what become an expert in something. That's where you know where you can look and see problems that no one else can see. 
And when you solve problems no one else can see, that's the vortex of, you know, rocketing business opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. I love that. Okay. Okay. So last, lastly, um, we're almost a month into 2023 so mm-hmm. far. So you've got a bit of a head start. Give me a prediction. Mm. Does, do, do uh, like, do we go into a recession? Has the I market think, bottom? Yes, recession. I think it's a soft, soft one. I think it's like 20. I was looking back at all the recessions. Um, two. 2010 was a mild re- recession. Uh, sorry, not 2000. 2002, after the dot-com bust, recession kind of took a bit, but it happened in tech first, kind of like today. But the rest of the economy chugged along pretty good, and it wasn't a, a massive recession. So that's what I'm thinking. I think housing is going to like keep coming down a little bit, but then as soon as rates come back, housing's going to go because the supply and demand is just off, off the chain as far as there's not enough homes. And so, you know, if you're going to buy a house, I'd buy it before June mm. and refi in 18 months from your six and a half percent, get down. Mm-hmm. You'll get the, but Cause you think, you think post June, you think post June will be past the worst of it. I think so. But yeah. So definitely by Q4, I think we're yep. off to the races. Gosh, man, I'll tell you what, houses that looked attractive at a two and a half percent interest rate now with a five and a half or six percent interest rate is no joke. It's no no joke. The flip side Um, is I'm getting four and a half percent on money sitting in a in a brokerage account now. Yes. I was getting zero percent. So you know, like I'm making four and a half percent by doing nothing. Right. If I'm borrowing at six and a half, it's still like that's if you have capital, you know, sitting around earning money, but Um, hopefully the markets will, you know, have a good 10% year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could happen. Hopefully. Yeah. I feel like every prediction everyone comes up with is, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, man, we never know. And okay, as usual, uh, we don't give any financial advice. No, no, do not take. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Lastly, anything you've read, watched lately, I just finished last night, the Bernie Madoff documentary uh-huh. on Netflix. My that God. The one with- it's just a, it's a, it's a four part documentary well, just, just yeah, about his life, that. man. They, Talk about oh brazen, just insane. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's almost it's, they're literally oh my like gosh. The secret floor of the puff and no one could go up there. They, I mean, they they manufactured yeah. trade documents and gave yeah. to the SEC. Yeah, I know. Just and it isn't. It wasn't right. until some derivatives trader looked at all of it right. and was like, "This is it enough. was it was a competitor trying to uh, right. build a a product like theirs." Right. And the, his managers went in and handed him the stuff and said, we need you to recreate this. And he spent like three weeks on it and came back and said, this is this is a Ponzi scheme. Will, will, will um, FTX guy go to jail, you reckon? Or does he have too many Gosh. Democrat friends? Too many, too many Democrat donor friends? Gosh, <laughs> I, I don't know, man. Yep. I, I, you know, I could care less about him. I do have a book recommendation I, that I haven't read, but a mm-hmm. guy told me it's his favorite business book. It's called okay. Crossing the Chasm. Crossing the Chasm. Okay, it's pretty awesome. And I think it's like a lot of business books. It's basically you strip everything away and you focus on the one thing Mm. for as long as you can. I think that's great. I'm going to go read that. So if someone beats us to it, you know, let us know how it is. Yeah, Yeah. we'll, uh, we'll find it link to it in the show notes. All right. Amazing. Well, hey, listen, if you're listening to this, and you're part of this uh, community, do us a massive favor. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. It honestly, it helps massively for discoverability. Um, and we got some exciting things coming. So, Dean, 
it's as good as always. Glad to be doing this again in 2023. Always. We'll see you guys. Uh, see you guys next week.